1: with his own nicotine pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
2: Carson Hosovar, your leader. He looks up through the windshield, sees the white flag. Zane Smith is in second, pursuing the leader, Carson Hosovar. Racing for the top spot, last lap here at Nashville. The Gibson Les Paul guitar. It's all tuned up and ready to be played in Music City. It's Carson Hosovar up front. Hosovar, the leader. One final shot for Zane Smith into turn number three. He's one truck length behind the leader. He'll go to the outside lane. Nick Sanchez will look inside of him for second, but it's Hosevar off four. Here comes Hosevar looking
0: for the checkered flag down to the line. Carson Hosovar has scored his second career victory in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. He wins the Rackley Roofing 200.
3: Amazing team, amazing owner, uh, amazing people around me.
4: Uh, I've screwed them up. So many wins lately, Um last two
5: years. So to be able to click another one off is really special means a lot new truck these guys unloaded really fast and uh just met the world
1: nascar live is brought to you by toyota for the latest toyota racing information visit toyotaracing.com. from the mrn studios in concord north carolina here is your host mike bagley
6: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we put a bow on the racing weekend in Nashville and get ready to take on the streets of Chicago. It's Wendy's week here on MRN, so be sure to race to your Wendy's today for the beefiest, baconest, best burger ever, the Baconator. Tony Stewart is going to join us on the show this week. Always a pleasure catching up with Smoke. We'll see what's on his mind. We're going to take a look back at NASCAR's history of racing in Chicago. It just didn't begin this weekend. There is a tradition of racing in the Windy City as far as our sport is concerned. We're also going to catch up with Trackhouse Racing team owner Justin Marks after the big win over the weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. We're also going to recap how the Chicago street course was constructed and we'll preview this weekend's racing action as NASCAR makes its debut on the streets of the Windy City. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in the sport. Kyle, what do you have for us?
7: Mike, this past weekend, Carl Edwards was on hand for the festivities at Nashville Super Speedway in the Ally 400. Edwards spoke to the media and was asked if he had interest in returning to racing, even if it was something as minimal as a one-off. And he had this to say.
4: Yeah, there is. I'm not planning on doing any driving, you know, This is the tip of the spear. I mean, these guys are so good that I would be terribly slow. So I'd have to prep a lot. Seriously, that's the truth. And then, you know, for me, I I really feel you know, racing's a, a risky sport. There's there's risk involved. And if if I'm not committed 100%, I don't feel that it's the right thing for me to go do for fun. You know, I've been paying attention. You know, the, the hits are hard. They still are. It's one of the reasons I'm not racing is because, you know, I'm aware of that. But I'll tell you this, if it does, if, if it creeps in and it's something we want to, you know, go do, then I promise you I'll give it 100%. I'll do the best I can. But right now, no, I'm not, not planning on anything. Edwards
7: last competed for Joe Gibbs Racing in 2016 and has been absent from competition as he hung up the helmet at the conclusion of that season. During Sunday's Ally 400 in an incident with Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney spun and made contact with the inside wall of turn one head on. Blaney said after the race, quote, I don't know why there's no safer barrier there. Ridiculous. That's the hardest hit I've ever taken in my life. Unquote. NASCAR senior vice president of competition Elton Sawyer joined Sirius XM Tuesday morning and was asked about the incident and said, quote, whether it be sand barrels or tires Barriers, something should have been there. We are taking a much deeper dive into that today to look and see exactly what happened, why it wasn't there, and to take the steps, not only at Nashville, but at all of our venues, just to make sure we are checking all the boxes in this area. Unquote. And Jimmy Johnson has withdrawn from the Chicago street race this weekend after a tragedy in his family. The Johnson has asked for privacy at this time. Mike.
6: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Tony Stewart will join the show, and later we'll discuss NASCAR's history of racing in Chi
7: Town.
1: Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting,
6: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Last week, stewart House Racing announced that Josh Berry will have the task of filling Kevin Harvick's shoes starting next year. The man running the show, Tony Stewart, sat down with our Steve Post to discuss the organization's future and why he thinks Josh is the perfect fit.
8: Tony Stewart joins us here on NASCAR Live. Tony, Josh Berry, the announcement
9: last week that he, he's the new driver. What did you see in Josh? Just describe the decision to bring Josh Berry on board. Well, I think first and foremost his merit. I mean, his his records and and uh, you know watching his path through motorsports. Uh, it it's easy to make decisions of whether he's the right guy. I feel like young guys right now they're they're young and it's hard to predict whether they're going to make it or not. Uh, Josh, I, I feel like this was a very logical. I'm gonna say, for lack of better terms, a safe decision. I mean, it's you're not sitting there questioning what you're gonna get. You know, you have somebody that's mentally prepared for a challenge like this, but has earned the opportunity for it at the same time. So, um, you know, I feel like, Rodney's uh, belief in in Josh and what we've been able to do the last uh, year of watching him as well uh, in the Xfinity series has proven to us why he deserves this opportunity. You talk about the
8: challenge the jump from Xfinity to Cup Series can you explain just how big of a jump this is for a young driver?
9: It's go to baseball or anything else I mean You go to a AAA ball team, they might be great in a AAA, but then you bump them up to the big league, and they make that last step, and they struggle. And that's how hard it is to make that jump into the Cup Series. Um, It's not easy. I mean, you can run well and win races in trucks. You can run well and win races in Xfinity, and it may not work out that way in Cup. You just may not be as good as the guys you're racing with. The talent level in, in the Cup Series at the top is strong right now and solid. So, it, when you're looking for guys to get in the seat, you're looking for guys that are ready for that challenge, that truly understand what it takes to capitalize on these opportunities and, and know how to put the whole race together.
8: You've had a huge asset with Kevin Harvick being part of your program. What role did he play in this process to target on Josh Berry? Well,
9: obviously, I mean, everybody involved, I mean, we don't, I don't make a single decision there without the group I mean we, we make group decisions we don't no, no one person makes a, a big decision at our company and both Rodney and Kevin and, and Dale Jr., you know, to have that support from those guys and, uh, you know, the belief and the discussions with Rodney and Zipidelli, you know, we felt like this was an easy decision. And, and we, we realistically put all of our eggs in that one basket. I mean, he was the one guy that we wanted that we felt like was above and beyond the rest of them and the right fit. It, the, I think the right fit is the most important key to this. You can find talented race car drivers, but if you don't put them with the right people and you don't have the right group around them, uh, it's not successful successful. successful and if they don't fit the mindset of the guys you're working with it's not going to be successful so finding that chemistry and the right fit is extremely important and and that's something that Rodney and Kevin and and Zippy and I all felt collectively that was the right decision and was the right person to to fit with that group. This is kind of maybe a
8: statement more as much but when I look at Chase Briscoe when I look at Ryan Priest now when I look at that that's what you're talking about that's what you're referencing that racer mindset.
9: Yeah we want guys that know what it takes it's uh we want people that you know have had to sit there and work on their own race cars and and have had to struggle to do what they do and and have worked hard uh, versus some that have had their way paid for and somebody supported them along the way. And it doesn't mean they're not good people. It doesn't mean they're not good race car drivers, but there's something about a driver that's had to dig through the trenches to climb the mountain on their own and not have somebody, you know, grab them by the collar and help pull them up the rest of the way. There's a lot of merit in that in our program, and that's what our DNA is built around. The people in that building are people that are racers, that have been around motorsports their entire lives. It's not just people that have college degrees that said, hey, I want to work on a NASCAR team. That, that doesn't get you in the door at our building. It's, uh, it's off of merit. It's off of what you've done in the past. It's off of the life experiences and the sport that you've had and, and those combined. You, you put those kind of people together, and you see good results.
8: Let's talk a little bit about the present. We're midway through this season. The ups, the downs, the
9: goods, the bads. Kind of assess where Stewart Haas Racing is as you uh, enter the second half of this year. I would love to sit there and act like it's roses all the way around, but it's not. It's we've had our share of struggles. It's uh, we've had weekends where it's been hard to watch the race and and hard to watch all four teams and drivers struggle. You know, I remind those guys on their meetings on Tuesday that everybody's intentions are the same. Everybody's pulling the rope the same direction. And I think that's the most important part of it is even though we haven't had the results that we're accustomed to and that we strive for, the mentality and the camaraderie at the shop is still the same. Everybody's pulling the rope the same direction. It's not people in their own corners pointing fingers at a different corner and blaming. It's everybody sitting there going, How can we all work together to make it better? And, you know, there's the ebbs and flows of motorsports. I mean, everybody's had trouble. You look at Penske not even getting cars in a field one year at the Indy 500, and he's probably arguably the best Indy car owner in the history of Indy car racing. It's proof that there's ebbs and flows, and you have to be able to adapt. The new car has been a bit of a challenge for us and our group. So, uh, like I said, I'd love to say it's been a great season, and that's what we want to be able to tell everybody when they say, hey, tell us how halfway through the year you feel like your season's been, but it's not, unfortunately. But we're working at it. I feel like our, our group's putting the effort, the time, and the resources into doing everything they can to get these four cars up front.
8: Your racing career, NHRA, kind of assess how you're doing with your, your new driving stint.
9: I've been a little frustrated the last five weeks because I haven't been in a car Um, But the three previous races of that, I mean, to win at Vegas, to runner up at Charlotte and to win at the regional at Indy, I'm excited about where our program's at. I mean, Rich McPhillips, senior and junior and, and the people that they put around us have done an amazing job in a short amount of time of figuring out a new car. I mean, there were things that, that were drastically wrong at the beginning of the year that they found, and it was frustrating. It was frustrating at Pomona. It was frustrating at uh, Gainesville at the beginning of the season. But once they found a couple key items that were wrong, the results have changed drastically. And, uh, you know, the last race that I drove was the Indy Regional, and, and the performance of that car there was unreal. So uh, it's made it extremely difficult difficult to sit out for five weeks waiting on the next uh race that we have scheduled which is a you know this past weekend so to get back in the car is was something that that was fun. I am sure it was
8: the street race at Chicago that's coming up this week on NASCAR. Your assessment, what are we, what are we gonna see in Chicago?
9: I'm glad I'm not driving a race car there. I, I think it's a great opportunity for our sport. It's a great market obviously and a great opportunity to, to, to try a street circuit with nascar racing street races always have their challenges as, as we've seen in indycar but it can be done and IndyCar's done a great job of showing that street races are successful so uh, i'm excited that nascar has taken the leap to to branch out and do this but i'm also glad i'm not in the seat this weekend I, i'm glad i get to watch it
8: well we appreciate your time joining us this week on nascar live tony thanks bud
6: Coming up, we'll learn about NASCAR's history in Chicago. And later, Justin Marks will stop by.
7: From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live.
1: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
6: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend, NASCAR will make its return to Chicago for the first time since 2019, but NASCAR has a rich history of racing in the Windy City. Our Susie Armstrong has more.
10: Over the years, NASCAR has left its mark on the Windy City. Career win at number one comes on a Sunday night at the Chicagoland Speedway across the line. And Alex Bowman has picked up the win in the Camping World 400. The sports history in the Chicago area dates back to 1954 when Dick Rathman won on the dirt at Santa Fe Speedway in Willow Springs. NASCAR would then move to Mammoth Arena in 1956, competing in front of capacity crowds of 100,000. Located on Chicago's lakefront, the arena was right next to Soldier Field, where three NASCAR-sanctioned events would be held that year, two convertible races and one Cup Series event. Local favorite Tiger Tom Pistoni and NASCAR legend Curtis Turner brought home the checkered flags in the convertible events, while Edward Glenn Fireball Roberts won the 200-lap cup event. The inaugural clash featured a 25-car field that navigated a half-mile paved track. NASCAR would return to Soldier Field for one more event in 1957 before taking a long hiatus from racing in the area.
2: Racing back
0: into turn number three for the final time this afternoon. Joe Ruttman still has a two truck
2: length lead. Biffle goes low for one final try. Last chance for Greg Biffle to try to get around the dodge of Joe Rutman. He's not going to make it. Joe Rutman crosses the line and
10: wins the Sears Craftsman 175 at the Chicago Motor Speedway. 43 years after the sport made its debut in the area, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series would run at Chicago Motor Speedway for two years. Joe Ruttman and Scott Riggs won the only two races to be held at the track in 2000 and 2001. That same year, a new home would host NASCAR Racing.
2: Safety cars off the racetrack.
11: Here comes the field for the start of the Tropicana 400. Tropicana 400 about to get underway. First time ever for the Winston Cup cars on this brand new racing facility. Green flag is in the air and we are underway. An
10: hour south of the Windy City, Chicagoland Speedway was constructed in Joliet, Illinois. A mile and a half oval seating 75,000 fans. On July 15, 2001, the NASCAR Cup Series ran a race in the Chicago area for the first time since 1956. For the
2: final time this afternoon, Kevin Harvick is off turn two. Last time, down the back, stretching into turn three. Kevin Harvick, who had bad luck in yesterday's bush race, but a great car in today's cup race. Kevin Harvick leads the field off of turn four. Kevin Harvick will get the honor of being the first winner at the new Chicagoland Speedway. He's going to win the Tropicana 400.
10: Chicagoland Speedway would provide us with numerous memorable moments over the years, including one in 2004, where Casey Kane, in his rookie season, was tested by the man he considered to be his mentor.
2: Here comes the field down to the line again. Dale Jarrett just in front of Casey uh, Kane, the race leader. It's Tony Stewart trying to find a way to get by as he peeks to the outside in turn one. And he gets into the back of Casey Kane, who spins and clobbers the
11: wall. They got him three wide going off into the corner down there. A little contact was made and that's all it took to send a couple of cars scattering And on a restart when the field is bunched tightly like that. Dave, it's going to collect a bunch. It did.
2: That's exactly what happened, Barney. It looked like Tony Stewart got a pretty good jump on The green flag. Casey Kane did not. Stewart appeared to get into the back end of the UAW Dodge Dealers Dodge, turned Casey Kane head on into the outside retaining wall. His car comes to rest on the bottom of the racetrack. Heavy damage on the front end.
10: Not only would Stewart move Kane out of the way to take the lead, it wound up being the winning move of the race.
2: No challengers in the rearview mirror for Tony Stewart. No lap cars that he'll have to deal with dead ahead. Tony Stewart right on the bottom. Heads off turn number two. Tony Stewart onto the back stretch for the final time. This afternoon,
0: right up next to the outside wall, sets up for the entrance in the corner number three, pins the car
2: down low and heads for the checkers. Should be a very interesting victory lane today for Tony Stewart, who picks up his first win since last October at the Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte. He will win today the Tropicana 400 at Chicagoland Speedway.
10: Even though that one left us talking for years, it doesn't compare to what transpired late between Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush in 2018 as many refer to this race as the slide job. Kyle Busch trying to hang on to score the win here today. He's in
2: turn one. It's down to two car lengths now. It's down to one car length. Here comes Larson. He dives to the bottom of the racetrack. He's going to try to pull the slide job. He can't get there. They touch. Busch is in the wall. They get away and race down the back dead
12: even side by side for the lead and the win It's Chicago land. Kyle Larson gets up underneath Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush gets into the back of him. Both of them in the wall. Larson stays in the
7: gas. He spins to the bottom and they're side by side. He tries to save it. Larson does but it won't be enough. Kyle Bush racing back to the line and Kyle Bush will score the win after getting together with Kyle Larson not once but twice. First off turn number two they got together. They got together Again, coming to the checkered flag. Larson tried to save it. He did, but it wasn't
10: enough. And Kyle Busch, for the 48th time in his career, is headed to Victory Lane. The last race at Chicagoland Speedway was in 2019 and won by Alex Bowman. The following season, the event would abruptly be removed from the schedule as the COVID-19 pandemic spread across the country and forced immediate changes. Last July, NASCAR announced the sport would return to Chicago, but this time to the streets of downtown and iconic Grant Park. Many drivers have expressed their excitement for the event, including road course ace Chase Elliott, who thinks this year's event will attract a different crowd from what the sport has seen in the past when racing in Joliet.
4: From a fan standpoint, you know, you're you're tapping into a part of the country that I think has a lot of race fans, a lot of NASCAR fans, but into, you know, city limits that a lot of those people might not typically come out to Joliet or somewhere up there like like would have typically been the case. So for them, I think it's about it being a good event and it being exciting for them and there being a lot of stuff going on for them and they feel like they're at the event that that needs to feel like the event that weekend over a Cubs game or or whatever it may be. So I think that would make it successful from a promoter standpoint from the racing side. I don't don't necessarily think I have to leave the racetrack and think, oh, wow, that was a really great race for it to be successful to the viewership or the people that are that show up in attendance.
10: When NASCAR takes on the streets of Chicago, it will be the first street course the Cup Series has raced on in the sport's 75-year history. When these stock cars make their mark in Grant Park, Lakeshore Drive will never be the same, hopefully creating a new tradition in the Windy City for many years to come.
6: Coming up, we'll catch up with Justin Marks, and later we'll do a deep dive on how Chicago's street course came to be.
8: Kyle Larson brings his Chevy in four-tire
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
6: We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Justin Marks will have a busy weekend in Chicago. Not only will he be overseeing Trackhouse Racing's action on Sunday, he'll also be competing Saturday for Colleague Racing in the NASCAR XFINITY Series Loop 121. Our Chris Wilner caught up with Justin to discuss how and why he decided to return to racing this weekend
13: all right justin marks fresh off a track house win at nashville a long-awaited victory here this year in 2023 with ross chastain first and foremost uh describe the emotions of winning that race i know nashville's near and dear to the company's heart obviously track house born in in nashville you've got broadway uh, not too far away how big was the party on sunday night
3: yeah, it was, well, the party, I wasn't there for most of the party, but it was, uh, it was a huge day for our company, um, I think for a number of different reasons. Obviously, you know, the business is run out of Nashville um, and, you know, we're, we're a Tennessee company and, and we live in Nashville. And, and so, you know, we've got some great partners locally and great friends in the business and everything. So we had a lot of great guests and partners of the team that were there, you know, able to uh, enjoy such a great moment for the company. So that was great and then you know honestly it's been you know it's been a tough couple of weeks for the for the team and and you know it's just it's very very timely performance. I mean Ross really just put on an absolutely stellar performance executed perfectly start to finish. Um, You know 99 team rebounded from. Uh, for the problems that they had in qualifying and, and, you know, almost got a top 10 finish. So, you know, really just from an execution standpoint, start to finish on the weekend, it was just, it was really, really a great performance and and a great time to do it because we just, we needed a shot in the arm in, uh, in this team right now and, I feel like now momentum can shift back to us focusing on trying to win a championship and get the 99 solidly in the playoffs and and, and to see what the playoffs bring. So it was uh, just all around for a number of different reasons a great day for the company.
13: Well now we've got a lot of excitement going to Chicago this weekend a lot of unknowns for everybody. Before we get to uh, Saturday and you getting back behind the wheel, just as a team owner in the shop trying to prepare for so many unknowns, how difficult is that when you have limited resources you know, for the drivers it's basically the sim and, and that's it I mean what baseline do you figure out going into is such a challenging and new circuit like chicago
3: yeah i mean there's there's probably a fair amount of guesswork on all these teams parts uh, just because it's it's such a unique scenario we've never been in this situation before you know but we are leaning a lot on sim and we're leaning a lot on on just conversations we're watching you know watching video of other series that race on street courses um you know daniel had an opportunity to, to participate in the practice day for the Am series at detroit a couple weeks ago just to kind of experience a street race again and and, and get his bearings with the walls and, and just sort of how the how the car operates, um, but you know it's it's just going to be going into the data that we have that we feel like is relevant to, to this, right? So bumpy tracks, obviously road courses, things like that, and then you know a lot of it, I mean Saturday is going to be really really important for us and for all the teams just just going out there and getting the laps in and really soaking in. Uh, all of the environmental elements that are going to play into having a successful day on Sunday. and That's really understanding, you know, where the bumps are on the track, the sight lines, getting on and off pit road, um, figuring out how to make sure that the car's uh, consistent over the long run. And, and you know, it's, it's like I said, it's going to be some guesswork for sure. Um, but we, uh, we have a lot of tools at our disposal. And the nice thing is, is as a key partner of Chevrolet, you know, those tools that we have uh, include meaningful conversations with Hendrick and with RCR, with the engineers there, and, and you know, having sort of a bigger conversation about what the approach looks like holistically from from the key partners, and then obviously the support from Chevrolet. So we have a lot to work with. It's just taking that data set and deploying it in an environment that's just so new um, is going to be the challenge. I mean. You know, it's also going to be very helpful that we've got the third car with Project 91 and with, with Shane Van Gisbergen because you know Shane's got a ton of experience racing cars like this on street courses. So, so that's going to be a real asset for the company too. Not only just having another race car on the racetrack that you know hopefully can can be competitive and get a good result, but being able to lean on his experience and his feedback from the sim and say this is this is kind of how I've managed these situations in the past probably gives us a you know a little bit of an advantage. Um, And then we just go there and go for it, try to put a good race together.
13: And it'll be nice, too. Your drivers can lean on you, especially being out, out on the racetrack on Saturday, of course, taking part in the NASCAR Xfinity Series event uh, for Colleg racing in the 10 cars. So, one, uh, is that important for you to get behind the wheel? I know we can't have cup drivers in that. So, for you to be able to give your drivers some feedback has got to be beneficial. Obviously, you're going to have some fun, too, as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, obviously, this is something that I personally wanted to do just just because I've, I've raced on street courses before. And, and when NASCAR puts together an event like this that's so unique and new and exciting, um, I just sort of had that little bit of an itch that I had to scratch to, uh, to maybe, you know, dust off the helmet and come back and do a race. But on the other side of it, I mean, you know, I do believe that that I can be an asset to the company. And, and we've already started talking about how to manage sort of the end of, of Xfinity practice and qualifying Saturday so I can communicate what I've learned in that hour and a half or so uh, to our drivers and our engineers, give them some feedback. Obviously, they'll be able to uh, to watch the race, probably be on the radio with me and then we can do a big debrief session on Saturday night and I can explain, you know, maybe where the track conditions went or here's the things that I saw or here's where people were you know, maybe making mistakes and opening up opportunities. And so I feel really, um, I feel ex- I'm excited about being able to actually contribute to race weekends. There's just not that much I do besides, you know, be a cheerleader and give high fives and support and everything. But this weekend. You know i certainly feel like i can contribute something to the competitive effort uh,
13: so I'm, I'm excited to be in that position and looking forward to, to, to being helpful and with the project 91 entry again this weekend of course you mentioned shane being behind the wheel lots of experience on the street circuits when it comes to supercars how did testing go this week and what does shane bring to the team obviously this is an all-star car and we've had legends like kimi reichen in it but now with shane behind the wheel what does he add to the program
3: well experience and, and just another another perspective. Um, the test went really, really well. I mean, it's it's a great because we tested at the Volvo. It's not really set up like the uh, like when we race there. And they actually used a, a section of the racetrack that we don't use in the Cup Series. But it was great for him just to feel kind of the power weight ratio. Uh, you know, he's driving a car where he's sitting on the left side instead of the right side. So understanding where is uh, you know, where the corners are and, and all that. Um, you know, it's very, very important uh, for him to get that experience. From that standpoint, I mean, it went really, really well. I mean, he was very consistent. He understood the car very quickly. Uh, he found speed. He was able to experience tire fall off and then put new tires on and see where the grip level is and then came here and did and did pit practice and was um, was great in that. Super consistent, got in and out of the box really well. You can just tell it's somebody that's done this before and, and is really a professional. So, you know, it's it's been great that we've had, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have Kimi Raikkonen in the car twice already, it really Uh, Some star power and Shane Shane is not as well known as as Kimmy is but in many ways just so well suited to this scenario that that we're putting him in because you know probably if you look out in the world and have to point to something that's the closest to the NASCAR Cup Series it's the supercar series in Australia and they've done a ton of street racing so you know his experience and being able to doing that is, uh, you know, it's really going to add a lot, I think, to us. And it's really going to make us strong as a cohesive group as we go into this weekend. But so far, uh, he's, been, he's been great. I mean, we had dinner last night and talked about the, uh, the test and everything yesterday. And he's on his way to the, the DIL sim with Chevrolet right now. So, um, so, you know, it's kind of a, a big week of a lot being thrown at him. Uh, But like I said, the good news is that he's he is uh, he's been in cars like this before three time champion down there in Australia. And he's super excited about this opportunity. And he's been diving all the way in with data and talking to the engineers and everything. So uh, definitely expect big things out of him this weekend.
6: Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll discuss how NASCAR and the city of Chicago put together this weekend's festivities. And later we'll hear from numerous drivers as we preview the Chicago street race.
1: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
6: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Cup Series has raced on road courses for years, but for the first time in the sport's history, we're going to race on a street course, and that comes your way this weekend in Chicago. This was no simple task at all. Our Kurt Becker is here to guide us on how this race came to be. This
0: weekend, NASCAR embarks upon one of the boldest ventures in its 75-year history. For the first time, a street race will be held, and it's not only a street race but also one which will span the streets of downtown Chicago, Illinois. Famous Chicago symbols such as Grant Park, Buckingham Fountain, Soldier Field, and Millennium Park will be backdrops to the 12-turn, 2.2-mile course. Lake Shore Drive and Michigan Avenue will welcome the rolling thunder of the Xfinity and Cup Series cars that are normally Seen at venues such as Talladega and Daytona, that backdrop and the history of the city is what made the location a no-brainer for NASCAR senior vice president of racing development and strategy, Ben Kennedy.
5: I think for us, and, and we looked at a handful of different locations um, around the city of Chicago. You know, Grant Park was was one that just that came to mind almost instantaneously. Um, you think about how iconic that park is, Buckingham Fountain. Um, all the special and iconic shots of the city skyline and monuments around that park. Certainly a very special place, and it just so happened that um, we were able to, to create a course on iRacing with our partners and be able to actually test it in the summer of last year with our couple drivers and get feedback on the course. And you know, Thankfully, the, the feedback was really positive from a racing perspective, so I think it will offer many different passing zones. Um, and I think it's just, it's a perfect setting for it. You know, the city puts on some amazing events, um, you know, down in Grant Park and, you know, great to be, uh, you know, just, uh, another one on that list.
0: So how did we get here? Last July, NASCAR made the announcement official that its race weekend surrounding the 4th of July would once again take place near Lake Michigan, but instead of returning to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, the sport would move south to Chicago. The announcement was made a few months after the inaugural clash at the Los Angeles Coliseum that was a resounding success and a sign of NASCAR's stated intention to grow the sport in new markets. In the words of NASCAR president Steve Phelps, the addition of the Chicago street race transcends NASCAR's bold goals toward innovation
5: with its schedule. This announcement is obviously unbelievable. I mean, first time I heard that this was a possibility, I'm like, wow, that would be really cool. And getting uh, Mayor Lightfoot and, and all the community to, to embrace us uh, is huge for us. But I think it goes past just the schedule. I think it really is, it, if you think about the car itself, our next-gen car, and what the racing that that has put put on for us has been fantastic. So our three OEM partners, Toyota, Chevy, and Ford, leaning in, our race teams, our drivers. I mean, arguably the best racing in the history. Uh mm you know, of our our 75 years, and that's what this car has done for us, it's important. So, we want to continue to be bold and innovative as people think about NASCAR in the future, um, because that's exactly what we're going to do.
0: The introduction of the Chicago street race also followed the debut of the next-gen car in the NASCAR Cup Series. According to Kennedy, its arrival was instrumental in the decision to
5: race the streets of Chicago. Yeah, I think the, the next-gen car is a big part of that. Certainly, we didn't develop the next-gen car to go street course racing, um, but the next-gen car I, I think is going to perform really well on the street course. And you know, We've seen some some decent racing this year on the road courses so far. I think the the racing product itself uh, will be very similar to it, and um, you know, with the the kind of ride height that the next gen cars have, and then the look and style of them, you know, actually going around the streets uh, with the relevance that our OE partners um, developed into them, I, I think they're going to look. First of all, they're going to look phenomenal on the streets here in Chicago, uh, but they're going to put on a, a great race for our fans as well. So. Certainly, the next-gen car has been a a huge part of that, and uh, I know they will be really, uh, really excited to watch here in Chicago. iRacing
0: also played a role in where we are today. The first designs of the street course were developed on the iRacing platform and used in the eNASCAR Pro Invitational Series back in 2021. But as stated by Kennedy, the genesis of the idea dates back even further when NASCAR was workshopping its idea of a race at the historic Los Angeles
5: Coliseum. I'd say the the genesis for this idea um, was actually it's probably sometime around um, when we came up with the idea of the LA Coliseum back in the fall of 2019 so kind of had this this concept that that we've been working on for a little while and certainly working with TSMGI to bring that to fruition for the virtual event last year Um, but then I would say the 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 work really started um, I would say probably a year or so ago and really over the past 90 days um, I would say a majority of that work has happened culminating in today and today's event. Over the
0: past 10 months, Julie Geesey, a longtime track executive, has been in control of the logistics of putting on a large-scale race weekend in the streets of one of the nation's largest cities as she was named the president of the Chicago Street Race operation last August. From there, Geesey has worked diligently with her Chicago-based team, NASCAR’s top executives and the city of Chicago to ensure the success of the project. To date, one of the biggest challenges of developing the Chicago street race has been operating a track that well, is not accessible on an everyday basis. Normally, testing can be done in a track along with a multitude of day-to-day operations. But when your track is also a public street used by Chicagoans on a daily basis, it makes even the simplest tasks all that more difficult to handle. Despite that challenge, geese says that her team has been able to lean on iRacing and other technology to put the pieces of the puzzle together.
14: The, the biggest piece for us is we are running in and around a, a, a public place. Um, so. When you think about building something, um, you know, looking back on my time at Phoenix or Daytona, like you were able to go out and um, test things um, and and look at if if something will work here, something will work there, obviously. We are racing around a park that is a public park. Um, and so I think for us, all, all, all those planning details are really being done in a computer model. Um, and uh, we're able to see how it all kind of comes together, but it is, is definitely different. I wouldn't say that's been a challenge, I think that's been kind of part of the fun and you see the technology that we have these days. Uh, with iRacing, um, our drivers obviously are using it. We are using that same, uh, basically that base model uh, to create the the course and all the different viewing areas as well as the seat views. Um, so I think, for us, um, it's been a, a fun challenge. It's it's a puzzle, um, and you know it, we've been having a, a good time putting all the pieces together.
0: As far as construction goes, the build began in earnest a few weeks ago. Grandstands and suites were constructed while the track and horse build began to take shape on Sunday, June 18. While a few jersey barriers were put in place, the track won't be completed until right as the weekend begins. The reason for that, Giese said, was a calculated move to limit the impact impact on the city.
14: I'm excited for people to begin to see it. Um, you know, we're trying to um, share as the build is, is coming together. But to your point, a, a lot of it um, won't be uh, 100% until we get to the weekend. And that's intentional because we've been working really hard to minimize those impacts to uh, to the local community.
0: NASCAR's march to innovation and building toward the future takes a significant step this weekend in downtown Chicago. It's a day certain to be remembered as the day the NASCAR world took over the famous streets and monuments of the Windy City.
6: Coming up, we'll preview all of this weekend's action in Chicago, and later, we'll flash back to 2006 and the USG Sheetrock 400 at Chicagoland Speedway. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now,
6: back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend, there are many unknowns about what to expect in Chicago as NASCAR takes on its streets for the first time in the sports history. Our Kyle Ricky is back to help us preview what we may see this weekend and what may transpire in Chicago.
7: After nearly a year of anticipation, the week has finally arrived. This weekend, we'll see something that we've never seen before in the history of NASCAR, a race on a street course. And it's happening in a big way as stars of both the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series will race through downtown Chicago. The race itself has so many unknowns, but one thing is for sure. It will put NASCAR racing in front of a different audience. Something that Ross Chastain says already makes this experiment
9: a success. It's it's a way to move the needle with our sport, and you know, over you know, three-quarters of the tickets already sold are New fans, and I'm sure a lot of people are just going to walk up when they hear the, the engines fire up. I think there's signs all over town, so they'll at least know about it. And then uh, when we go roaring down through there, it's going to be so, so many new fans. So I, I'm, I'm bought in. Like, I, it doesn't matter for me how my personal race goes or weekend goes. I could very easily auger it into the tire barriers about every corner if I'm not careful. So um, I've done that on the simulator quite a bit. Uh, you miss the brake zone by just a few feet, and there's no runoff. So i'm not really worried about i mean yes i want points and i want to win but i'm more looking at it from the big picture of the us as a whole and if it elevates all of us then it'll it'll pay off for me in the long run so what can
7: fans and drivers expect in terms of the actual racing most drivers admit to having no idea, and you can rank series points leader Martin Truex Jr.
4: among those. I really don't know. I mean, honestly, it's. Um, I think it's going to be. It's so dictated by how rough the streets are. You know how rough the track is. I mean, these cars are. They don't have a lot of suspension travel. They're really stiff and they bounce a lot. Uh, if it's if it's bouncy as I think it's going to be, it could be a handful. So I really don't know, honestly. You know, it's one of those things where uh, you know the only experience I have is I racing a couple years ago on it. I haven't even been in the simulator yet, so that'll that'll be uh, the first thing to, to tackle, and and we'll see where it goes from there. But it should be fun. It's going to be different um, than anything we've ever done, and look forward to that. It's always fun doing new things.
7: While there are so many unknowns going into the weekend. There are tools the drivers can use to prepare for the course. Chase Elliott hasn't fully done it just yet, but says he has checked out iRacing to familiarize himself with the turns more than
4: anything else. Outside of just running some laps on iRacing and, and really just to f- familiarize myself with literally what turns are, are where, that, that's the biggest thing I think I can, I can do for myself right now and certainly going to dive more into that next week and... Start talking about setup stuff and and things that we feel like we need to do well out there to to be good so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be different you know from my understanding the you know the surface is pretty rough a lot of 90 degree corners i'm sure it's gonna be very hot Uh, all all those things certainly are, are a factor drivers
7: are also using the simulator to prepare for the weekend and eric Almarola and austin sindrick have both noticed that there is zero room for error. With the tight
4: corners the drivers will be racing through on Sunday afternoon. There's a huge penalty at Chicago compared to all the other road courses that we go to if you don't make the corner. So I think you're going to have to not only be aggressive, but you're going to have to be conscious of how aggressive you are uh, because the penalty for missing the corner at Chicago is going to be far greater uh, than missing the corner at most road courses. Most road courses, if you overshoot the corner, you run off into the grass or the gravel a little bit. At Chicago, you're going to crash. You're going to hit a wall. At a racetrack like Surf of the Americas, I could screw up and go 100 feet into the runoff and
7: keep going. And that was a race that went you know, primarily all green until it didn't. Whereas Chicago or any street courses, there's zero room for error. Uh, we've seen how strong and robust these cars are. But uh, at, the, at the same time, that, that's why I love street course racing. But you know, whether if it's track blockages or you know guys making mistakes, having cautions throughout the race, all types of those things, I think, will be different and coming to play differently than, than what they would on, on most of our road courses because a, a mistake is damage. It's not you know lost time. With all that being said, a certain word comes to mind when Kyle Busch predicts what he thinks we'll see on Sunday. And that word is survival.
4: Survival. It's going to be a survival race. Um, I feel like we had a couple of those. I can't remember the last one that we had where it was, I want to say it's, it's turn one of... Indy yeah it's turn one of Indy every corner so
9: um, I mean literally yeah I mean if you start 20th you might as well not even accelerate to get to turn one because it's probably going to look like the Roval restart that we had where we all went off into the barrier
4: in turn one you know what I mean so it's it's survival.
9: With this
7: being such a big event stars that we don't see on a week-to-week basis are heading to the Windy City to take part in the race. One of those stars is Formula One world champion Jensen Button. This will be Button's second foray into NASCAR after making his debut earlier this year at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Does Button believe he'll be on even more even footing this time, given that no one else has even seen this track? He thinks so.
4: Definitely helps. Uh, There are a few guys in in the field that have raced on street circuits before. There's some very quick guys that have raced on street circuits before. So, yeah, it's it's easier for me than Kota, and Kota, I'm just not used to using that much of a circuit. You know, I normally drive within the white lines, and, and at Kota, if you make a mistake, you just run wide, come back on, and uh, you don't really lose much time. So it's, again, a very different way of driving. Chicago should be better for me. I, I feel confident that I can, I can have a better result, but it could also all end at turn one. So uh, it doesn't matter how quick you are. Uh, you need to also have
5: a little bit of luck on your side.
7: So, who will conquer the unknowns, tight quarters, and rough surface? We'll find out this weekend as NASCAR takes over one of the country's largest cities. MRN has it all covered, beginning to end, with coverage of Sunday's main attraction, the Grant Park 220, beginning at 4:30 p.m. Eastern Time.
6: That Chicago Street Race preview was brought to you by Wheelin' Engineering. Wheel and Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we flash back to 2006 and the USG Sheetrock 400 at Chicago Land Speedway. This
7: is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The MRN time machine is fired up and ready to send us back to 1990. And the AC Delco 500 from Rockingham.
12: Alan Kowicki coming up on the Jack Pennington car now. He'll go to the outside to try and put a lap
11: on the rookie contender. Not a whole lot of traffic directly ahead of Alan Kowicki. If he can move around maybe two or three cars, he'll have pretty clear sailing all the way down to the checkered flag. So traffic shouldn't be a factor between himself and Bill Elliott. Meanwhile, that battle for third still a tight one. They're working back to turn one.
2: Again, they single file. Harry Gant holding the third spot with Ken Schrader directly behind him. Meanwhile, the battle for the lead, Barney, I think may come down to something you pointed out earlier today, in that Bill Elliott may be saving something. But noticed a few laps ago, he was right up on the rear deck of Alan Kowicki. Then he drops back for a few laps, but seems like it will. Elliott can close in on Kulwicki for now. He sees there are some laps to go, about 12 remaining, so he just seems to hold his spot for now. Of course have to wait and see if that's the case. They work lap traffic. Getting around Tom Kendall here off turn two.
12: And the other thing keeping an eye on on the back straightaway. Dale Earnhardt's car has suddenly become ill handling. Here comes Mark Martin to the outside of Earnhardt. This should be a battle for position. Martin to the outside of Earnhardt at the end of the back straightaway trying to keep from losing any points to Earnhardt.
2: They're side by side in four. Ernie Irvin is there. Earnhardt and Martin they're all battling for position nine ten and eleven. Two laps down to the leaders. At the stripe. Earnhardt side by side with Martin and Ernie Irvin sneaks through. Irvin's got the spot going into the corner, but still the battle directly behind him. Earnhardt and Mark Martin, they're side by side.
12: Off the corner and onto the back straightaway. Earnhardt is on the inside. Martin is on the outside. It's a dead heat at the entrance to turn number three. They go cleanly side by side, halfway through the corner and onto the straightaway.
11: And all of a sudden, the fans are watching a couple of cars laps down go at it here in the final stages of the AC Delco. 500. Back into turn number one. Earnhardt down to the inside. Martin on the high side. Martin
2: tries to hold his car down low, but not too low because Earnhardt is directly underneath him. Off the corner, the Goodrich Chevrolet gets the edge.
12: They come up on some lap traffic now. They go to the outside of the Rick Jeffrey car. Earnhardt will pull up in front of Martin. Martin has to give way in the traffic in turn three
2: sterling marlin across the stripe smoke now begins to show from behind the sunoco oldsmobile even more so than we've talked about in the last few laps we'll see if he can hold on and bobby hillen trying to hold on
7: you can listen to that race in its entirety right now on mrn.com or wherever you listen to podcasts by subscribing to mrn classic races well that'll do it for today's show a big thank you to christian eckes for stopping by and the entire MRN gang for looking back at what has been a very eventful first half of the NASCAR season. We'll see you back here next week as we'll dive into what we might see in the season's second half. I'm Kyle Rickey. Have a good week, everyone.
1: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.